Let's look now at John chapter 8 as we continue our series on the I Am statements of Jesus. I want to look at John chapter 8 and I'll read verses 12 through 20. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Amen. So the Pharisees said to him, You are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. And Jesus answered, Even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true, for I know where I came from and where I'm going. But you do not know where I come from or where I'm going. You judge according to the flesh, I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law it is written that the testimony of two men is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple. But no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you sent the light. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the light. We need the light to shine into the darkness, the dark crevices of our hearts, And to expose what only you can expose. But Father, we need the soft landing of the gospel. We need the soft landing of Jesus. To be honest and serious about our sin. Father, give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Would you work among us by your spirit? This is pointless if you do not. Father, we need more than a lecture, we need more than a sermon, we need more than intellectual stimulation. We need the Spirit of Christ to speak boldly into our lives, to bring us to a point of repentance and faith and change and transformation. So do that now. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I, um, as many of you know, jog, and uh, where I jog typically is by the Mississippi River on Mud Island. And pretty much every April or May, the, um, the, the Mississippi River fills up so much that it literally comes over the banks and, um, and it, it floods the trail that I typically run on. And after about, I don't know, a week or two weeks, it'll go back down. And when it goes down, it leaves limbs and trees and tires and trash and a whole assortment of just stuff. And you can kind of see it. Now let's look at that. Uh, there we go. There's my running trail. Uh, now once the waters recede and I'm able to get back on the trail, uh, it's like this until the city comes and uh, that could be weeks or months or maybe next year um, and cleans it up. And so I have to run over, I have to run around, I have to, you know, I- I've got to get around all of these trees and obstacles. But I can do it because I have the light. If I attempted to do this at 4.30 in the morning or or at midnight, 
and the moon was behind a cloud, I would be hurt. <laughs> you, you see, it's only because of the light. The light is not just some little aid over here. It's not like the moon, which a full moon, I might be able to run it. But the light exposes what the darkness hides. And if I didn't have it, I'd probably get misdirected and even run into the river if I were in pitch black darkness. Jesus says this later in John. In John 12:36, he says, The one who walks in darkness does not know where he's going. Now, Confucius could have said that. Um, Gandhi could have said that. Mohammed could have said that. Buddha could have said Anybody could have said that. If you're walking in darkness, you don't know where you're going. That's about as common sense truth statement as you can possibly imagine. But here's the problem. John 3.19. The light has come into the world and the people loved the darkness rather than the light. The light has come into the world and we said we don't want it. We don't need it. We can walk just fine the way we're walking. And in our passage, I'm fascinated by how it ends. Jesus comes and he says, I am the light of the world. I'm the one you've been hoping for. And what, are the, what does John say at the end of the, the passage? These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him. We hate the light so much, Jesus can stand right in front of us and say, I am the light. And we say... We want to kill you. We want to say, get away from us. And you might be here today thinking, well, that's just in the, you know, that's kind of ancient times. That's a little archaic. I mean, we wouldn't respond that way today. Really. Try to go into the public square today and say, Jesus is the only way, the only truth, and the only light. You are scoffed at. Try to say, Jesus is God incarnate, come in the flesh, and he has authority over your life to tell you who you can marry and who you cannot marry. He has authority to tell you how to live, what to do with your money, what to do with your body. He has authority to tell you what to do with your life because your life is not yours, it's his. He is God. Dear friends, the world wants to kill Christians are dying this morning because they're saying just that. For you see, the, the, the prophets of old, the teachers that have come, the leaders of every other world religion have, have never said that. They have said, we are the moon that points to the light. But none of them have made this statement, we are the light. It's absolute heresy in the eyes of Islam for a man to claim to be God. And that's precisely what Jesus is doing here. It's what he's doing in the I am statements. It's what he's doing, what he did when he said, I am the resurrection. It's what he's doing when he said, I am the bread. And it's what he's doing when he says, I am the light. He's not saying, I am a light. He's not saying, I'm one source of resurrection. He, metaphorically, he's not saying, I'm one source of sustenance and nutrients. No, he is saying, I am God. The one true God. 
Now, if that's making you mad this morning, if that's making you uncomfortable, then that just means that the light is shining. You see, that's what Jesus wants to do with these statements. He wants to get us off the fence in regard to who He is. He wants to press us one way or the other and say, decide today who you think I am. So who do you think He is? If we think He's the light, then dear friends, we better give Him our lives because He's the only one that can lead us to life. He says, I'm the light of what? Life. And so if He is Jesus, if He is the Son of God, if He is the Christ, then He has authority to tell us what to do and to tell us where life is found. So let's look at it. Let's look at this whole dichotomy of, of, of light and darkness and why we, we, we choose darkness over light, even though we want the light, we really walk in the darkness. Let's look at all these dichotomies here. And the first thing we need to understand, very simply, is what He said. If we follow Jesus, we will not walk in darkness. If we follow Jesus, we will not walk in darkness. Rachel and I have um, a lamp post right outside of our bedroom windows. We have two windows, and our bed runs alongside of them. And we, our, our bed is on the second floor story of our two-story house. And uh, that lamp post is about even with, um, with our windows. And so when we bought the house, we knew this was going to be an issue. And um, so we, we put blinds up. And and then she had uh, curtains made. I don't think you didn't make those, did you? Had them made, and they have this this blackout material on the back that that keeps the light out, that the light can't penetrate. So every night uh, I sleep on that side of the bed. So every night um, I make sure that the you know the the um, the blinds are shut and the curtains are pulled too. But there's a problem. Uh, there's a little bit of space between where the fabric ends and where the window pane or where that, you know, the, the uh, wood on the side starts. And so there's a little crack. And when I get in my bed, that light from that lamp post just comes at me. So, so I get the pillows, you know, those big decorative pillows on beds. I grab the pillows and I, I put them, I stuff them against the fabric and I try, I do everything I can do, everything short of duct taping the fabric to the wood which wouldn't go over well, but it doesn't matter what I do, the light gets in. You see, the light always finds a way to get in. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light. Do you know how hard it is to avoid light when you're in the darkness? Do you know how much work it is to avoid light when you're in the darkness. Yet what we learn about ourselves from Genesis 3 forward is that we, by nature, are light avoiders. We don't want the light to shine in the darkness of our hearts. We don't want it. We do exactly what I do in my bedroom. We, we, we get the fabric, we get the blinds, we put the sunglasses, we do whatever we can do to kind of block the light. We, okay, yeah, we'd rather live in denial. Denial's great. We would rather live in denial than see the light. Why do we do this? Because the light exposes what's in the darkness, and we don't like to be exposed. That's the story of Genesis 3. Adam and Eve were naked. Their eyes were open. 
to their sinfulness. And what do they do? They got dressed and they hid. That's what we all do. That's our nature. We don't like nakedness. I literally saw a video this week. I didn't watch it, uh, but I saw it on Facebook. Silly video. Um, It was entitled, I Don't Look Good Naked Anymore. Yeah. And it was this large man uh, with a pot belly and a long white beard dancing. And you look at that, and that's all I saw. And, um, you know, I I wondered if he ever looked naked, you know, good naked, um, if this was some additional change or whatever. But I looked at that, and I thought, you know, I understand. The darkness is his friend. (laughs) And the darkness is my friend. My daughter went back and commented on a picture of mine on Facebook. And it was a picture. I was bending down, doing something on a counter. And, you know, I I do remember I was making a birthday cake. And, you know, it was real sweet, making it for my wife. But you know all I saw in that picture? I didn't see a cake. You can see it now. What did I see? (laughs) A bald spot. That's all I could see. And I got away from it as fast as I could. I don't like to see pictures of my bald spot. I, I like to look in the mirror straight on and think, man, I've got, I got some flowing hair here. Look at those curls. <laughs> but guess what? It doesn't matter how much I avoid the bald spot on the top of my head. Avoiding it doesn't grow any hair on my bald spot. Do you get it? Jesus is the light. And when he gets close, and when you get close to him, and you start seeing junk in your life, and you start seeing tree limbs in the distance, and you start seeing big trees right in front of you, the first thing you want to do is bring that shade back down. Jesus said, if we follow him, we will not walk in darkness. But man, we love the darkness. Somebody in my life right now that I'm having a hard time forgiving. I was writing this this week. And I said, surely by the time I preach this, I will have been so convicted and moved that, that I will have made peace with this part. There's nobody in this church. It's not even, they're not even in Memphis. I, I promise. I give you my word on that. I know some people, is it me? You know, my wife is probably, is it me? Uh, not you, honey, I promise. Um, but I'm serious. I, I'm struggling. And what's happening in this struggle is that the light of Jesus is trying to get in. And I'm saying, I don't want it in. I'm not ready. This junk is so painful. The stuff is so hard for me. Uh, I can feel it now as I'm telling you. And you, you know why Jesus is showing? You know why he's pursuing me? I know this. I can tell you why. It's not because he wants to kill me. But it's because he wants to root out of me what is already killing me. And that's what the light does. Dear friend, where is the light shining in your life? And how are you managing it? How are you... Oh, you know, where are those pillows? How are you doing that? You're not helping anything. You're just keeping the light out and therefore the life out. 
Because if you follow Jesus, we will walk in light. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. And then secondly, if we follow Jesus, we will have the light of life. We will have it. If we follow Jesus, if we let his light in, we will have the light of life. Have you ever seen those, uh, the footage the morning after a tornado? I know we all have. You know, you hear about it at night, you know, you, you, you suck, man, a tornado killed this many people in this part of the country, you know, in the Midwest somewhere maybe, or Arkansas or wherever, Mississippi. And you think, oh, that's horrible. And then what happens, man? You, we, we can't wait to watch the news and see that footage. I can only imagine being in one when you actually experience that and hearing the noises and just picturing in your mind the devastation, but you don't know the reality until what? The sun comes up. And then you see the devastation and you're stunned. And then what happens? The cleanup begins. That's what Jesus is seeking to do. If we, if we follow Jesus and we allow his light to come in, then and only then can the cleanup begin. I saw a fascinating um, interview with a girl by the name, a hip-hop artist by the name of Jackie Hill Perry. Never heard of her and uh, many of you may have. Um, extremely impressed. You need to Google her name and find this interview that she did um, with, oh, I can't remember who it is. Um, ah, just Google it, find interview, and see if it uh, see if it comes up. I'm sure it will. But um, she said, she was talking about her life, and she said when she was um, in the first grade, she had feelings, if you will, for other girls. And um, she began, that, that never went away, it just grew, and, and she acted on those feelings um, when she was 16. And she said when she was 19 that God just convicted her, just spoke to her. She said it wasn't audible, but it just, God spoke to her. And she felt in her own heart and mind that what she was doing was wrong. And she talked about how she came into that light. And the changes and how the light healed her. Now there might be some people in here extremely mad at me right now. And that's precisely why I use this. Because when the light shines, the light is the light. And we can't change it. I had a meeting with a man this week as well who was at the height of his career making a lot of money, married with at least one child, and he had an affair. And he said, Richard, the light came on me, (laughs) and I was running until it finally caught up with me. And he's in the light, and his marriage is healing. I did a wedding this weekend, and the bride and the groom were both in recovery, both former alcoholics and or NAA. And everyone in there, both their bridesmaids and their groomsmen, all of them except one, were in recovery too. The light shone in their lives. It was an incredible group of people. The light shone in their lives, and they resisted, and they resisted, and they resisted, and then finally they said, okay. Your friends, that's what the light does. 
It's what the light does. We all need the light to shine in and expose the darkness in our lives so that we can come out of the darkness and live in the light of life. Dear friends, it doesn't matter how sin feels to you. It's sin. I can tell you, I'm convinced that the majority of sin that I commit feels right. But we don't need our feelings to tell us what's right or wrong. We need the light to tell us what's right or wrong. We need the truth to tell us what's right or wrong. We need something outside of us. Why? Because the Bible tells us that the light came, but we love the darkness. And so we can't trust ourselves to determine what is right or wrong based on our feelings and based on our own fabricated arguments. Because we cannot even trust ourselves. We need the light to expose us. It it doesn't matter if I wake up one morning and say, you know, I'm just tired of running around all those logs on the river. I think I'm just going to run straight. It doesn't matter. I can feel, I can rage against it, I can fight against it, I can do anything I want to do, but the reality is going to remain that those logs are not moving. They're going to move me and they're going to destroy me. Dear friends, sin in your life and sin in my life destroys us. It's death. And the light comes to heal us. And then thirdly and finally, Jesus is the light. Jesus is in the temple when he says this. Look back at chapter 7 and verse 37. He says this, On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out. I love this. They're, they're talking about the Feast of the Tabernacles. This is where Jesus was. He was, uh, he was at the Feast of the Tabernacles. It was a seven-day Old Testament feast in which they remembered and recounted God's faithfulness to them in the wilderness. And so they would live in little booths, little thatched huts, to remember that they had no homes in the wilderness. And they would pour out large buckets of water to remember that God provided water from a rock. And then every night, there would be this massive candelabra. And they would be there in in, in the temple, and it would be dark, and all of a sudden, they would light this candelabra, and it would just light the whole place. And the people, the music would start, and the dancing would begin. And they would dance and celebrate the fact that God brought them light and the darkness. Now imagine if someone killed the power grid in Memphis. That's how they lived. And that's how God showed up to them. By the cloud during the day and by fire at night. And you know what? That fire, it was not just warmth. It was not just something to, that was spectacular. But it was so practical. We can, we can see because of the light. We can live because of the light. We can operate. We can cook. We can, we can do life because of the light. <coughs> Excuse me. Too much talking this morning. We can live because of the light. In Exodus 13, we read this. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead the way, and by night to give them light. Hear that? And the Lord went before them. You know what that light was? The presence of the Lord. On the last night, 
of the Feast of Tabernacles, they didn't light it. They took it down. Do you, am I the only one on the planet that hates taking down the Christmas tree? It's not the work. It's just the feeling. It's like you're burying this feeling. You're burying your joy and your happiness for another year. Like, ah, oh, put it in the box, wrap up those ornaments. Can't be happy for another year. I mean, I have this pit in my stomach. I hate it. That's how they felt. Got to wait another year to light the candles. Got to wait another year for the light. And it was in that context that Jesus stood before the unlit candelabra. And the text says in in, in 737, he cried out, I am the light of the world. And I can only imagine some people wanted to kill him and some people wanted to embrace him. Oh, please be the light of the world. Oh, please. Oh, please. Oh, please. Is that not powerful? And I love the context of this. It's not, Jesus is not just saying, look, the light of the world is not a set of propositions. It's not a law. It's not a way of living, but it's a person. But he defined what it's like to come into the light. Right before that, in the verses before that, in in the first part of chapter 8, we have the story of the woman caught in adultery by the scribes and the Pharisees. They pull her out into the middle of the street, and they all have rocks ready to stone her. And they see Jesus, and they say, Hey, Jesus, the Old Testament law says to stone a woman like this, what the text says. What do you say? They were trying to trick him. And Jesus is bent over... Drawing in the dirt. And he's like, oh, woman caught in adultery. Well, he who's without sin cast the first stone. And the text says he goes back to drawing in the dirt. <laughs> oh, man. Jesus is awesome. They're trying to tick him off. I'll say a nice word. And he ticks them off. He says, Whatever. If you're without sin, cast the first stone. You can almost hear, it says, from the older to the younger, the stone started dropping. And then you can only imagine this woman standing there going, uh, uh, hello. And he, he goes, oh, no one condemns you? She said, no. He said, well, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Unbelievable. You know why I'm scared to go to the light so much of the time? I'm scared that I'm going to lose control, and I'm scared of what God's going to make me do. And Jesus says, when I shine on your light, I'm not bringing shame. I'm bringing love. When I shine in your life, my arms are wide open. I'm not trying to humiliate you. I'm not trying to kill you. I'm not trying to rub your face in it. I'm just trying to get out of you what's already killing you. Would you please live in the light and come to me? Dear friends, God is shining in your life right now, and I know it. And if he's not, if there's something in your life that's not coming to mind, if there's some many things in your life that aren't coming to your mind, I'm worried about you. It's not because you're mature. It's not because you're some super Christian I even question if you are a Christian. Because the the light shines in the darkness. 
And if we're not seeing the dark stuff in our lives and the light's not shining, do you know the healthiest person is the person willing to say, okay, I give up. I need help. And Jesus says, okay, I can do something with that. I am for broken people like you. Would you come to the light this morning? Would you give yourself to the light? Because the light is a person and his name is Jesus. And he wants to love on you. He wants to walk with you. He wants to bring the community of God around you. He wants to employ his army in your life. He wants us to carry each other's burdens. He wants us to be vulnerable so that we might not just point out, we might not ever just point our fingers at each other. Oh, I know your sin. But so that we might all be humble and say, yeah, we know each other's sin. Jesus is the hero. And he's the only hero. Is he your hero this morning? I pray that he would be. Lord God, we thank you so much that you have sent the light of the glory of Christ into the world. Lord Jesus, you are full of grace and truth. You convict us of sin. You transform us by grace. You clean us up. You you expose our sins so the cleanup work can begin. And we know you're going to fulfill it on into glory. One day, someday, we will be as you see us, completely pure and sinless. Oh God, thank you for that hope. Would you encourage us this morning? Would you make someone, push someone over the fence, off the fence, to believe in Jesus this morning? And Father, those that hate him right now and maybe hate me for saying some things I said, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would welcome them into your arms, welcome them into your heart. And Father, I do pray that you would help me. Um, I've got to forgive somebody in my life, and I need you. Uh, So would you come? Would you rescue me from the bitterness that exists? Would I give in to your light? (laughs) And would you do that work in me that only you can do? And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.